Well, hello, 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 and welcome on in, friends, to episode 184 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by my great friends at SB Nation. And for those of you that have asked, I was saying that long before Michael J. Kist became a big-time executive producer over at Vox. And so the feeling there is genuine. I'm not sort of contractually obligated to blow smoke in Michael J. Kist's direction. Even though he is a fantastic boss, a wonderful person, a very good-looking man, and he has a face for television, a voice for radio, and wisdom from the gods. Okay, I might have embellished a couple of things there. But we're back. It is Thursday, April 1st. And I, I fought the urge to sort of do an April Fool's joke, but who knows? Maybe my quarterback rankings are an April Fool's joke of their own. But that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to dive through my top 11 of the quarterback position. Parallel to this will be a piece over at Touchdown Wire, breaking down the top 11 quarterback strengths, weaknesses, conclusions, comparisons, scheme fits, resources, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, you can check that out over at uh, usatoday.touchdownwire.com or touchdownwire.usatoday.com. I always go back and forth on that one. Um, but that's what we're going to do today. And as a Patriots fan, you know, you might want to, I guess, pay attention to the second half of the show when we talk about the guys that aren't in the top five. Um, because as we talked about in Monday's episode, yeah, it might be tough for the Patriots to get one of the guys in the top five thanks to Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. So so let's dive in. Your usual cavalcade of announcements, right? Bird app, Schofield, whatever. You know where to find me. Let's talk quarterbacks. QB1 is Trevor Lawrence. And the, the, the don't overthink this. Don't overthink Trevor Lawrence at QB1, okay? Just don't. Just don't. What, what's interesting about the Trevor Lawrence discussion is this. I'm reading right now Citizens by Simon Shama. It's a book that I read in college about the French Revolution, but I'm rereading it. It's like an 800-page work. But I started reading it before the, the, the little spring break trip that I'm on. I'm working my way through it on the beach. Not exactly a beach read, but this is what I do. Because, you know, it's like those commercials where you have it, those Geico commercials where you have the coach that's trying to tell people, you know, how not to grow into their parents. And there's a guy who's reading a book about submarines because that's what dads do. Some of it's true. You know, I read books about history. My son actually asked me, then, why do you read books about history? Well, I do. But in there, it's on like page like 135 or something. There's a discussion about somebody that handled the French finances for the monarchy. And he had built together and put together and promoted this like new budget for the French people. And he built it up to such a level that it was underwhelming by the time it was published. Like, it was a big thing. It was, like, published on a level and on par with The Social Contract by Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who obviously that worked. Those of you that understand and know the French Revolution know that that was kind of the underpinnings of the French Revolution, of the citizens rising up. Um, but it was underwhelming. This new budget that was published with such fanfare was underwhelming. That's the issue with Trevor Lawrence. He was built up to be this generational prospect, best since luck, 
best since Elway, best since Manon. He might not be that guy. And so anything less than that feels to this point underwhelming. But he's still good and he's still the best in this class and he's QB1 and he fits every scheme and he makes every throw and he makes every read and he's athletic as it gets at the position and he's a fantastic ball carrier and he's QB1 and obviously the Patriots won't get him. They won't get QB2 or they might because mine is Justin Fields. I've talked about him a ton. Made huge strides from first year as a starter to this past season. Those two Clemson games. Watch the videos that I've done on him. He checks every box. He's athletic. By the time this posts, he'll have had his pro day. Maybe he hit that 4.38 40-yard dash. And if you want to pass on a guy with that arm and that athletic ability for kids bop Jim McMahon, as Derek Lawson calls Zach Wilson, or McCorkle, have fun. I will be insufferable if he falls to the Patriots somehow. I'm just, I'm just saying that. QB3 is still Zach Wilson. He's not my QB2 but he seems to be everybody else's. Um, athletic, had a fantastic pro day, throws the ball well, um, fits the Jets scheme at two. You see a lot of the stuff he did in his pro day was outside zone boot action. It's clear the script they put together was, hey, Jets, this is the guy. And Dane Brugler on Friday afternoon shared a text after the pro day that basically said draft starts at three because Wilson at two. So that's what's going to happen. But he's my QB3. My QB4 is Trey Lance. My QB4 is Trey Lance. I thought about, you know, my heart wanted me to move him to three, uh, but the grading just came out Wilson a bit ahead. I do think that there is tremendous upside with Trey Lance. I think he's more NFL ready than teams are giving him credit for with what he was asked to do with the line of scrimmage and on down the line. And I've talked about this at length, but with checks, with kill calls, with maybe calls, with protections and everything in between, he was given the freedom to do that Day one as a redshirt freshman. That's massive. So he's my QB4. My QB5 is McCorkle. And I do think that there is a path to NFL success and an NFL starting job and potentially handling early responsibilities as a rookie in the National Football League. But he's still QB5 for me. And the dividing line for him is going to be, is he athletic enough and mobile enough and can he survive NFL pressure and pockets. And if you have that question, I think a good exercise for you to do is to watch that Georgia game where he was pressured the most. Ben Solak and his chart and data told me it was 10 pressures against Georgia, the most he faced in a single game. And you'll see some good and some bad. And so those are QBs one through five for me. And as we talked about, you know, Last Monday, well, this, you know, Monday, earlier this week, as we talked about last Thursday when I raised or posed the question, what kind of team are the Patriots? You know, the way I framed it last Thursday was Lance versus Jones, right? Are they a team that's still a little bit away, so you take the swing on upside, or are they a team that's in contention, and so you bet on the floor? Lance versus Jones. Now, we might not get that decision now. Because as we talked about on Monday's show, with this trade from the Dolphins, with all the other teams that might be in the quarterback game, it just, it seems to be slipping away the idea that the Patriots can go get a quarterback. Now, maybe something strange happens. Maybe teams are are talking themselves into Kyle Pitts and Jalen Waddell and Slater. We see after QBs at 1, 2, and 3, 
a bit of a slide from quarterbacks. It could happen. Look, I, I'm just a chucklehead with a microphone, kids. Yodeling for bucks. I don't think it happens. I think, again, Atlanta probably doesn't go quarterback, but maybe. Detroit at 7, Carolina at 8, Denver at 9. Those are teams that could go quarterbacks. And then you've got New England. So you've got potentially four teams. And sitting in fourth place are the New England Patriots. Can they leapfrog three teams to get to QB4? How much would it cost to do that? And would Bill Belichick be willing to pay that for quarterback four? I don't know. But probably not. Maybe. I'd rather it be paying that price for Justin Fields than McCorkle. But as the expression goes, beggars can't be choosers. So it might be all of that for McCorkle. I do think, though, and as I said at the outset, you might want to pay attention more to the second half of the show because up next, I'm going to talk about the rest of this class because that might be where the Patriots end up going at quarterback absent something strange happening. We'll get into that next here in episode 184 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you here on episode 184 of the Sco Show. And it's time to talk about the rest of these quarterbacks. Now, as I said, I ranked 11. There are more than 11 quarterbacks that could get drafted at the end of this. Guys that didn't make the cut, guys like Brady Wilson, guys like Zach Thomas, Felipe Franks, who's the raw athletic guy, formerly of Florida, now at Arkansas. Those were the three guys that didn't get in. Sort of first three out to use sort of a March Madness phrase there. And so we're going to talk about the rest of the 11, the other six. And I'm not going to like dive deep into these guys, you know, because that's a lot of stuff to talk about. But I'm going to work through them sort of in order. So we start with QB6, and QB6 for me is Kellen Mond. I, I know Mond has gotten some QB4 buzz, maybe even higher than that by the time this comes out. Um, but for me, there are some hesitations that I'm not so sure 6 is low enough. It might just be low enough in this class. He's played a ton of football. He's played a ton of football. But there are still some play speed, process and speed issues that give me pause. And I I talked about this when we did the QB uh, slack scout study. Um, when we watched Mond against Florida, one of the first throws he had in that game, cover four, corners playing off, everything screams cover four. You've got pre-snap motion, nobody moves. It still screams zone coverage. He throws the speed out to the right, and it almost gets picked six because he stares it down and it comes out late. A guy that has played the amount of games that he has played, 46, should be better than that, should read that faster, should get the ball out quicker. Now, he has athleticism. He moves around well, can make some anticipation throws even in the face of pressure, which is weird considering what I just talked about. But he's a polarizing guy. I think, look, if he's there at 96, I'd consider it. If they draft him at 46, I'm very wary. And that's kind of how I feel about the rest of these guys, especially down the line. QB7 for me is Davis Mills, the other quarterback, one of the other quarterbacks we watched. And it's the competitive toughness angle. I love him from a competitive toughness, from a 
mental toughness perspective. Because that game against UCLA, I've talked about it ad nauseum here and elsewhere, that really impressed me. His ability to sort of hang in there, stay tough, get down 34-20, to and still come back. Two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. I mean, that checked a lot of boxes for me. Just checked a lot of boxes for me. Now, are there concerns from Mills? Yes. There's an injury history. He was banged up dating back to his days in high school. He's a guy that missed time in high school, missed basically the entire state championship game his senior year with an injury. He was injured while he was at Stanford. Hasn't played a ton. But if he's there at 96, I'm okay with it. If he's the pick of 46, again, I'm wary. Next quarterback on the list is Kyle Trask, who I wanted to like Kyle Trask more. I almost wanted to love Kyle Trask. There was a slimmer, a tiny little window where I was watching Trask and I was like, I might like him more than Jones. But then I watched a little bit more. I think what one of the things that Trask has going for him is that he's like impervious to pressure, right? Just impervious to it. Pressure at his face, trash at his feet, whatever. He's still making throws, still getting the ball out. Not an incredible athlete. Um, but the accuracy then is a huge question. Derek Clawson dropped his quantifying quarterbacks uh, last week. He dropped it on Trask. And he's missing throws and missing them badly in the short area of the field. And that's his game. Like I don't think he has the arm to be like a vertical passer to challenge windows downfield. Like, I think he's a West Coast guy, but if you're missing those throws, that's a problem. And if you're making guys like Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Toney, Trayvon Grimes have to make wild adjustments on, like, pivots and outs and slant routes, it's going to be a problem for you in the National Football League. And so, Trask, again, at 96, I'm okay with it. Earlier than that, I'm not. I'm not. And honestly, here is where I have to take a sort of detour and remind everybody who you're listening to. You're listening to somebody that most draft seasons I'm out there saying there should be 32 quarterbacks in the first round. I am a card-carrying member of the quarterback union. I am. I, I want to see 32 quarterbacks every first round. Also, as uh, as such a member, I am required now, since I brought that up, to say the phrase, to do so, requires one to access higher levels of consciousness, and this knowledge has been hidden from us. Why? Those of you that are also members of the Quarterback Society, you, you'll, you'll understand. You know why. So normally I'm out there banging the table for all 32 quarterbacks in the draft. I'm out there going on shows saying Brett Rippett is QB4. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs that there are starting quarterbacks to be found in rounds 4, 5, 6, and 7. This is not that year. This is not the year where I get on shows and say that. This is the year where I get on shows and say, if you want a guy, you got to go get him because you might see that gap from... McCorkle at five because we seem to be headed there 
to like three rounds from there seeing the next quarterback take. And so, yeah, I mean, are, are there things to like about guys like Ian Book and Jamie Newman and Trask? There are things to like, but I'm not as convinced, particularly with everything we see from the NFL today, the path to sort of develop a quarterback is tough. And it makes it hard to sort of look at the day three guys and say, yeah, these guys... There's a clear path. Like, people saw it in Dak Prescott. Greg Cousell saw it in Dak Prescott. I had the path in my notes. I didn't see it at the time. But people saw it in Prescott. I rip myself all the time for Brett Rippett, but the guy started in one NFL game last year, and don't look now. He's currently, like, I'd say the favorite to be their backup, and who knows? But I... Looking at this group, I see more questions than answers about everybody from six on. I see more questions than answers. And it brings us back to this idea of what do the Patriots do? Now, maybe the guy is Jamie Newman. Maybe that's the guy because there's athleticism, there's arm talent, there's size, there's a path to, okay, if they're going all in now on Cam because they can't get another guy, Newman might be the guy to learn from Cam, to model his game after Cam, and you could build an offense that way and sort of mold him and take the offense into a different direction, really going in on athleticism at the quarterback position and everything else we've seen over the past calendar year now. And maybe out of all of these guys, Newman is the one that offers that upside and that potential, and you might get him at a discount because he opted out and he didn't have the best senior bowl. Could it come together for Newman? Sure. But unlike other years, this is just the year where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about the rest of these guys. Normally, I love them. I mean, I was banging the tape of guys like Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan. Maybe I'm bad at this. I don't know. Maybe I've got this class wrong. I don't know. But I could. I could. But those are my quarterbacks. So to sort of recap, you know, one is Trevor Lawrence, two is Fields, three Wilson, four Lance, five Jones, six Mon, seven Mills, eight Trask, nine is Newman, ten is Ian Book, eleven is Sam Ellinger. And I do really think that, like, Book and Ellinger are, like, backup guys. Like, can I see the others potentially developing? Yeah, I'm not confident in it. I think Book and Ellinger are like backup guys. And then, like I said, guys like Zach Thomas, um, Brady White, Felipe Franks, like, those are guys that are sort of last guys out. I would see them coming off the board, you know, seventh round, UDFA types. Zach Thomas has some potential. I know he's working with Tony Rassiopi, so there's a path there. Tony knows his stuff. Um, those are your top 11 quarterbacks. I will be back Monday. We will be back on with Mock Draft Monday for next Monday. Until then, friends, enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. Hopefully nothing crazy happens NFL-wise. But if it does, I've got the stuff with me. I'll record a show. Um, but until then, friends, stay safe. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. Bless those Patriots reigns. Down and follow.